Hello, everyone, and welcome to Overexposed, a BWRM podcast where we delve into the ins and outs of running a real estate photography and videography business. My name is Dave Temple. And my name is Jackie Kirk. Today's member, you may remember from episode one, he started three real estate photography businesses from scratch in three different states. He loves chocolate milkshakes, cats, football, and disagreeing with people. No, I don't. Yes. Today, Dave and I will be talking about Dave. But today is not about his life story and how he got to be here. It's an analytical look at what he's learned along the way. So Dave, you and I are very different and we've actually had that professionally proven. (laughs) Uh, We recently did a behavior and personality assessment and the results came back that I'm a talker, which obviously was a huge surprise. Um, Can you tell our listeners what you were categorized as? Yes, I was categorized as an analytical um, it actually sounds like we've been to therapy or something, but it was done in a in a professional sense at a conference. Um, so it has been like therapy, to be honest. <laughs> like I think, yeah, it's something I'd recommend anyone working with people. You know, should do. It really does help you understand. It does the other person, and, and yeah, it's helped us. I think. Look at us. We're on a podcast together. Who would have thought? I know. I know exactly. So yeah, analytical. I mean, it wasn't a, a massive surprise to me. It was really obvious when I looked at the um, various options that that you could be. Um, obviously, as as anyone who's watched or listened to their first podcast knows, I was in an IT background for many years. That obviously appealed to me for a reason. You know, analyzing code, analyzing ways of flows of programs and things like that. So that's how my brain works, and uh, I don't I don't think there's a way of changing that. So explain to me in a in a kind of working context and a, a building a business context, what what are the strengths and weaknesses of someone who's an analytical? I don't know whether you could call it strengths and weaknesses because obviously it depends what you, you do with your superpowers. But um, I can tell you that I would think analyticals are probably more introvert than out than extrovert. So more about looking at data, looking at information, working things out. Um, I think that's why I would imagine a lot of them are attracted to IT work because you can sit down, essentially not talk to anybody all day and work out puzzles, really. So working out things, calculating how things work, even people analyzing, you know, what maybe what are their um, motivations, you know, what do they need from a business? What do they need from a, a service provider? Those kind of things. But on the other side, I personally, and I would imagine a lot of analyticals, find actually knocking on doors and talking to people very difficult, so, which is not ideal when you're in a business where you have to knock on doors and, and ask people for business. Yeah, it's really interesting that this is where you've landed. And, and we do go into it a bit in podcast number one, which is just how someone who, who doesn't like knocking on doors and doing that sort of thing has found themselves having started three businesses doing exactly that um, and and done it successfully too. So tell me a little bit about that. You've, Like I said, we've covered that in a fair bit of detail before, but just to summarize, you started three businesses in three different states. Business number one, you grew to being how busy? In the particular group we were in at the time, I think um, I was number one or number two in the group for a while. It's a long time ago now. It's probably 10 years ago now. But I mean, I would have been doing 80 jobs a month, something like that, about 20 a week. Just going back slightly as well, I think the reason it sounds like an odd thing to choose to do when you know that you have to go out and knock on doors and talk to people to get work. 
I don't think I actually thought about that when I started. That's probably <laughs> why I decided to do it. If yeah. someone had said to me, you have to knock on doors and go and sell yourself, sounds like an obvious thing to know. But I didn't honestly didn't think about it at all. I was thinking about the photography, about seeing houses, wasn't thinking about selling myself. And I think that's something we see with people who come on board with us as well, that, that you know, many of them don't realize that that's, that's how you get work, right? You've got to go build mm-hmm. relationships and talk to people. So yeah, first first business got to around probably eighty jobs a um, a month within a space of two years. Was working with a lot of really good real estate agents in the area I was in. This was in New South Wales. This was in New South Wales in the Hills District. Sold that and moved down to um, Mornington in Victoria and started all right from the beginning again with a, a completely empty area and other photographers to manage. And over 10 years, built that up to be, um, you know, a really good sized business with contractors on board and, um, and plenty of agents, you know, using us regularly. So, and again, maybe 100, 120 jobs a month, something like that on average. Right. And so you sold business number one, which is a huge accolade, I think. It's something, again, when people start out, they don't really think of that element of it, of the fact that you're building an asset that you, you just think, I'm, I'm, I'm to create work for myself but to then have something that someone else will pay you to take over is just mind-blowing it's so cool so you sold business number one moved to victoria and started from scratch with no connections no agencies in the area and again went knocking on doors built up that business to 120 jobs a month and then you sold that business and again amazing what's the process like selling a business um, well, I think the first the first time I sold the business was before BWRM, and I think it's fair to say that was more luck than judgment in terms of selling it. Basically bumped into a guy um, out of the blue. I think I'd lost a key for the first time ever on a job, um, and so didn't do the job at the time I was supposed to. Went, the agency sorted out another key for me, went to the job at a time I wasn't supposed to go there because now I'd got the key bumped into the postman who stopped me and said, what are you doing? I'm interested in photography and, and, and essentially sold it to him, right? So I shouldn't have... <laughs> then and there. <laughs> yeah, it was completely random. Like, shouldn't have been there at the time uh, because if I hadn't lost the key, um, then I wouldn't have been there. And, you know, obviously would never have generally bumped into the guy. Um, anyway, so that was, that was more luck than judgment. And I think I realized at the time that, um, you know, it's a very niche business, this. And so, you know, if you think of the things that people have got to be interested in, even to want to do this job, they have to be interested in houses, in running their own business, in photography, they've got to have certain skills. I think I put that one down to more luck than judgment. Um, I think when I sold um, in Victoria, we were under BWRM, it was much more structured. And I think the BWRM businesses are much easier to sell because you can come into it You've got all of the information for how you're supposed to do the job. You've got the big machine behind you that helps you um, deal with all processing and all those things. So, yeah, first one, luck. Second one, um, BWRM and a bit of judgment, I think, in terms of sales. Okay. And now you're in Queensland, again, somewhere where you have no connections and you're starting from scratch again. Yes. You just really like starting businesses. (laughs) <laughs> actually i do i do like the um uh, fear is probably wrong the wrong word but i suppose the the adrenaline and uh um it, it comes back to that analytical thing right what have i got to do it's a puzzle to fix it's 
I've really put myself in in a difficult situation. How do I get out of it? That that's the bit I enjoy. Whereas the maintenance part of a business, when everything's running smoothly and you've got relationships with people, and you know that's that's less of a puzzle to to solve. So I probably do like starting businesses more than um, more than the maintenance side. But it, it's personal reasons that we've moved um, moved states a few times. You're in witness protection. Yeah. Is that right? so, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Disagree with the wrong person, then off you go. Different state. <laughs> I think this is kind of to our listeners. This is why we've got Dave back. Um, I think when you start a business, it's extremely challenging starting a business in this industry. There's there's all sorts of things you have to learn from from the photography skills, or you may come in with those skills and need to learn the sales skills. There's there's resilience. There's there's competition. It's just it is challenging and we do tell that to everyone that it's not easy. You're not just going to be walking in and having people fall in love with you. Um, you have to work really hard. And a lot of people that come to us have got some of those skills. But Dave, when you started right at the beginning, you didn't know how to take a photograph. You didn't know anyone in the country, really. You weren't a salesman. Not only that, you didn't like the idea of selling. So you didn't have any of the skills. You didn't you weren't the kind of natural personality that tends to succeed in this. Yet you've done it two going on three times to the point where someone else wanted to buy that business from you. And I just think that's the thing. That's what I want to talk to you about because there are people joining us that already have more going for them in terms of skill and inclination and, and ability than you had when you started. And yeah, I just think it's quite inspirational that you managed to learn those things and do those things and, and get to where you are today. And that's kind of what I really want to delve into today. The other thing is not only have you not had the skills and et cetera, et cetera, I need to harp on about like how crap you were to start with. Um, You've also done it in different territories and you haven't gone into, you've gone into places of competition, you've gone into places where people don't see the point in paying for photography. You've faced every challenge and you have replicated the same thing no matter where you've gone because that's another thing that we get like as, as something people struggle with. They say, well, my territory is really difficult where I'm working. They don't want to pay for photography or there's already too many photographers or whatever it is. Every area comes with challenges. But I think what you've proven is that you can do it wherever you go because you've done it in the Hills District. You've done it on the Mornington Peninsula and now you're doing it in Maroochydore. I think it ties into what you just said, right? So if I'd have if I'd have started on day one, you know, unskilled as a, a photographer, I had some basic training, but I mean, it was it was very cursory. If I'd said, right, in order to succeed here, I need to be exactly like Jackie, I'd have been gone years ago. Um, because I, no matter what I do, I can't, I can't be a talker. I'm an analytical. So what I've done, I think, is I've used the skills that I have got to find out what my situation is, find out what my weaknesses are, and figure out what I need to do there, which is puzzle solving, which is what I do, right? So, you know, way back in the day, I was wondering why, um, you know, way back when I was in the Hills District, why don't my photos look as good as the next guy? And I figured it out because it's technical and it's puzzle solving and et cetera, et cetera. So then I've, I've nailed how to take a better photo. Not as good as now, but, you know, I've, I've improved. I'm 
always self-critical because, again, that's how my brain works. What could I have done better? You know, when I'm listening to agents, I'm good at listening because I'm analytical rather than the talker. So I'm listening to what they're saying to vendors. You know, maybe they're talking in another room and saying, ah, yeah, you know, for me, the strength of the house is the kitchen and I can reflect that back to them. Oh, you know, I think the strength of the house is the kitchen. Let's do two shots. So those are my strengths, right? So if I'd have tried to be you or tried to be similar to you, I just would have failed. But I've, I've used the skills that I have got to get where I have really. And yeah, I think, I think that's all you can do. Yeah. So taking it back now, now you're onto your third business. And when did you move to Queensland? So that would be November uh, 2021. So what, 18 months ago? Yeah. Okay. So and whereabouts are you? Maroochydore, is that right? Uh, we are in the Sunshine Coast. So we our business runs from Glasshouse Mountains up to Maroochydore. Yeah. Okay, cool. And how's it going? 18 months in. Yeah, it's going well. Um, we obviously we're not as busy as we want to be because we're only eighteen months in. But we've got some good relationships with some really good agents. We're starting to find the people that we want to work with and people that you know work the way we want to work, which is always a, a tricky step to to get past. Starting to find really good agents as well because again, you know, when you move to a new area and nobody knows you, you're not going to get to those top agents straight away. And starting to get people call us, which is exactly where you want to be. Yeah, definitely. And so recently you spoke to me about something we call the stages of business development. This is something that you came up with, so credit to you in your analytical mind. Can you tell me what led you to defining the stages of business development? Yeah, well, I think the first thing that came to my mind is um, once you've been running a business for a little while, you forget how difficult it is to start. And obviously, I'm in the position where, because I've started essentially three times and started again twice in completely different areas, things occur to me that may not occur to people who've been running a business solidly for five, six, seven years and and haven't done that. And one of the first things that's a real contrast when you um, start again is, you know, imagine you've been in um, Victoria, for example, you've been there 10 years, you know agents by sight, they know you by sight. Even if they don't use you, they know who you are. They're aware of the brand. They're aware of your work. Um, you're getting people calling you all the time. And then you go to an area where nobody knows who you are and, and nobody's going to call you and no one cares. That, that's a real, it's, uh, you know, I always liken it to sort of coming outside of, um, you know, being famous in Big Brother. You know, you, you're, famous in, <laughs> you're famous in Big Brother and then you move to another town or whatever and no one knows who you are. And it must be a real shock. Okay. You know, I was famous. <laughs> so I think that was the first sort of thing that, that, you know, tweaked my brain. And I thought, hang on, this is, this is a thing, right? This is, I suppose, what people who are starting right from the beginning who don't have that experience will, will experience. They're very excited about their new business. They've got their business cards. They've got their price list printed. And they're very excited. This is the biggest thing in their world at the moment. Now they're a photographer. Now they're a real estate photographer. Now they're a business owner. And nobody knows. And so now what? What do you do? Do you think that's the benefit of understanding the phases? And we'll get into the phases shortly. But just the benefit of understanding the phases is that that you, you don't feel like you're making a mistake. You don't feel like you're failing. You just understand you're in phase one that it's not a go in and win straight away, that it takes time and that it's a progression. Yeah, and I think that's the benefit of my experience now that I've done this um, 
I'm doing it for the third time. The the great thing, although it's difficult to step back from a you know a stable business that's earning you money and um, and providing you work and and all the rest of it, the benefit is I know that if I do all the right things and I do all the right steps, I will get there. It doesn't matter who the competition is. I mean, obviously there's different competition everywhere, but it, it doesn't matter if I do all the right things and I build the right relationships and I provide quality product for a fair price. I will get work. It's just a matter of time. I think that's what Lucas said in his podcast. It's about staying in the game long enough to succeed. That's all it is. This is why I came up with the phases of business thing, because my concern was that as a new um, business owner, not knowing what the steps were and not knowing your what your expectations should be, you know, you might be three months in and start to panic, oh my God, I must be doing something wrong. Whereas as long as you follow the steps and you understand the expectations, mm. you will get to the point where you succeed. Yeah. So let's talk about what these distinct phases of marketing are. Dave, what's phase one? Right. So phase one is when you've just started your business. And um, you, can, you can summarize this as you've got no brand awareness unless you're in an area where there's a BWRM person near you. But obviously, Australia is a big country, so that won't always be the case. So no brand awareness, you've got no relationships with agents, you've got no loyalty with agents, you may or may not have any sales experience, and nobody's going to phone you. So you're very excited, you've got a brand new business, brand new business cards, shiny new computer, and nothing's going to happen. That's day one. So my thought was, okay, if that's your position, and it sounds quite bleak, you know, nobody knows you, no relationships, no loyalty, no sales experience. What do you do from there? Well, you just change those things, right? So if you've got no sales experience, well, there's two ways of fixing that. You either do a sales course or you go and get sales experience by trying it and seeing what happens, right? So, you know, the more you go into agencies, the more experience you're going to get. It's great to go on sales courses um, and, you know, some of them can really help. We offer one that's really helpful. But knocking on doors is going to give you huge experience. And within that, the more you speak to people, the more relationships you're going to build because you're going to be nice to people. You're going to introduce yourself. They're going to hopefully remember you. And that builds brand awareness because you're going to leave your marketing documents. You're going to leave your business cards. So at this stage, your expectations should, should not be, I'm going to walk into an agency and people are just going to give me work. They should be just about improving your position. How do I improve my brand awareness? How do I get relationships? How do I build up my sales experience? And that's really it. If you get work in this phase, great, take it. This is where you start from. Okay. And then that takes you to phase two. What's phase two? Phase two is where you've got some brand awareness. So people are vaguely aware that you know, there's a company called BW something or other, maybe BMW or WBM or whatever it is. They're vaguely aware of the business. You've got some relationships with admins or agents. You know, they'll recognize you when you go into the office or you know, they heard someone mention you or something or other, they're vaguely aware of some um, overly tall English bloke hanging around. You've got weak loyalty with some agents that have used you. Maybe you've done a freebie for someone and maybe they'll give you a call next time. But, you know, you don't have that long-term loyalty. You can't expect them to call you all the time. You've built up some sales experience at this point. Either you've done the course or you've been knocking on doors and you've realized that, you know, what you should be doing. You've been following the processes that BWRM lays out. And those people that you have picked up will hopefully be phoning you. So those guys that have, you know, taken a freebie off you or seen your work and uh, want to use you again will call you. What you're not getting at that stage is 
things like referrals. Essentially, you can't sit back and wait at that point. You should still be pushing and trying to get more work. I suppose you've also got weak loyalty. So, you know, you're at the point where one slip up, you know, one day where you make a mistake, you, you could lose that little work that you've got. So you really need to be at the top of your game. You need to be working hard to improve and just continuing to work really hard on those relationships and build loyalty. Exactly. And look, it's, it's a weak loyalty and respect of, let's say you've done one job for an agent or maybe two or three jobs for an agent in, a, in an agency. At this point, if that agent moves from that agency to another agency, maybe they'll call you next time. But they've only used you three times. If the new agency uses a different photographer, are they going to rock the boat just for you? Probably not at this point. You know, your business is in very early days and you, you can't rely on um, repeat business. So, and, and the other thing is, of course, there's a reason that you've picked up business at this point. Maybe it was an opportunity. Maybe, you know, the other photographer let them down or maybe um, it was a price-based issue or maybe a vendor was upset and you just happened to be there. It's probably with your sales experience and the lack of being known in the area, it's more likely to be, you know, good luck that, that got you the business than, than um, someone knowing who you are and knowing that you're good. So that's why it's important to just keep knocking on doors and broaden your um, customer base and, uh, and keep going. Hmm. And so then that takes us on to phase three. What's phase three? So phase three is where you, uh, you've got good brand awareness. People know who you are. They've seen your brochures. They've got your business card. You're hopefully in their phone. Um, you've got good relationships with the agents that you're with. You've got some loyalty with those. So you can't expect them to keep using you because maybe you've only been around a year, year and a half. This is where I am now. I've got some really good agents that I really enjoy working with. I would expect them to call me or to try and get me into a new agency if they moved. I have solid sales experience and at this point you'd want you know, some pretty good sales experience and to be able to answer any questions that people come up with. You would expect clients to be calling you regularly and hopefully you'll get to the stage at this point where you start to get referrals. So you know, Bob in the office has been using you for the last six months and a new guy has started and Bob says, oh, you should use Dave. He's, you know, he's great. He's the man. That's the point where um, your business generally starts to take off and grow on its own. doesn't mean that you stop marketing, but this is the point where you can start to think, right, now I've got a business. I don't think we're going to talk about it in this episode, but this point, this is where our route to 350 kicks in and this is where you want to be. Okay. So this is sort of the tipping point, isn't it? This is where you've really been... This is the moment you've been working for. It's goal number one of I have a sustainable business. I have enough money coming in that I'm paying my bills. I have enough clients that I'm doing work consistently. Do you start to think about growing your team at this point and contractors or does that kind of come down to how much work you're doing? I think it depends on how much work you're doing, but also uh, it depends on what time of the year you start to hit this um, point. What, what happens a lot of the time is that we see people, because you're now starting to get referrals, the growth is almost out of your control. So whereas before you were only growing your business, if you're knocking on doors and making those sales calls and, and you know, really trying to get work, because you're now going to start to get referrals and you start to get um, a little bit of agent migration where they move to a new agency and, and still want you in there, now it just takes off. So you have to think about growing your team at least at this point. How big do you want to be? Can you cope with the work? Um, and, you know, obviously bearing in mind that, um, that it is slightly seasonal in that spring is obviously a lot busier than other times. 
you need to at least consider putting things in place that uh, you can cope with the extra work. Mm. Makes sense. So you've reached this goal then of, okay, sustainable business, people are calling me, I've got jobs coming in every week. And just as an aside, God, that feels good. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. Like I've done it twice and it's just like people start to renew and it's just consistent and your calendar's looking fairly, you know, busy. It's a really good feeling. For those of you that are close to that, really hang in there. It it is worth it. When someone first calls you out of the blue, brand new number and says, I'm XYZ from this agency and John said I should call you. Oh my God, best thing ever. Oh my God. Yeah, or we saw this video you did or yeah, it's it takes it right back to the fulfillment that you get from running your own business where it is so much harder because it's personal. Everything you do is down to you. You're only going to grow if you do the things. You've got no one else to blame if you're really honest with yourself. But then that also means that when you get that work, you've got no one else to blame except yourself. So it's such a a wonderful, rewarding feeling to go, I put in this, I did this, I built this. They're coming to me because I did the things. Like it is personal when it's your business and those wins are so satisfying. They don't get old. So then, that, Dave, your next phase is phase four and that's kind of your next goal then. What's phase four? So phase four is where you've got strong brand awareness. So um, everybody knows BWRM, whether they use you or not is a different thing, but they're aware of you. Uh, you've got strong relationships with the agency you're dealing with, strong loyalty. So if they move to a new um, agency, they're saying, no, nah, I don't want to use your guy. I want to use Dave. You've got excellent sales experience, either, again, through courses or through you know knocking on doors. Your clients will call you and you'll get regular referrals from new agencies. So at this point, you will expect, or I would expect, that if you have one agent who's been using for you for a while, go to a new agency where there's you know five or six other agents that don't use you, you would, you would want to think that that person is going to get you in there for a, a sales presentation or you know, word of mouth is going to spread in that agency and, and your expectation should be that you're going to get two or three agents in that, in that office. That's where you want to be. Because as I said, the business grows on its own at that point. And, uh, and it also means that you can, it, depending on how you want to build your business, it means that you can start to build around you know, high, high value jobs or high value agents or, or those kind of things. So that's where you want to be. Hmm. And I guess this is where people like Stefan, who was in our podcast, two podcasts ago, maybe our yeah. last podcast, yeah. um, they're really good to talk to and listen to because they're in that phase where it's not really about trying to win new clients. They are trying to grow still, so they're trying to maintain that market share or grow it. But really, the focus is on those relationships. So what's on two things? It's on maintaining and improving your client relationships because it's really, really easy to get complacent at this stage, whereas in phase one, two, and three, you're so focused on giving them everything they need um, and you've got the time to do it because you're not that busy. You get to phase four and you've got a few clients and you're busy and you're juggling a lot of balls. It's really easy to take your clients for granted at this stage and and really easy to lose them. Um, it is a phase where I think yeah, there's a huge risk of losing clients if you don't give them what they need. So booking in regular catch-ups with them, improving your service, making sure your customer service is spot on, making sure you're maintaining your energy on site and the joy that you and excitement that you have way back in phase one, that you still have that really, really important um, with those relationships. And I think the other side of it is also 
learning to manage your time and and bringing in the support systems that will help you. You know, virtual assistants is something we we use regularly at BWM. I've got a virtual assistant and she's amazing, changed my life. But it means that you're still as responsive, if not more responsive, as you were on day one. Growing your team of contractors so that you have the same capacity that you had or more when your clients first started using you and really just bringing in all of those systems to help you continue to do the things that won you that work in the first place. Yeah, exactly. I think the loyalty thing is a double-edged sword. So it's great to have loyalty from agents, but I think at the point where you have strong loyalty, um, if they do decide to go off and use someone else because of some horrendous you know, issue that's occurred, it's very difficult to get you know, it feels like a relationship has been broken at that point. So you really want to make sure that you don't take those things for granted. Yeah, exactly. And I think something people think you're going to build loyalty through good service. You are. But actually, where I've built loyalty is when things have gone wrong. That's been the best opportunity because things are going to go wrong. You can just guarantee it. There's a lot of moving parts. There's It's, it's the nature of the industry. There's so many things that are in and out of your control that can happen. but where your agents are going to see you rise is when you you fix it, when you move heaven and earth to to be there and to sort it out. And, you know, I've had all sorts of – I had a shoot where I, like, smashed my camera on the first shot and it fell off the tripod. Then I lost the SD card from the twilight shoot. It found it in the washing machine, like, a few years later. Every single thing – on a very stressful job with very stressed owners went wrong, but I fixed it. I reshot it. I made, I made it smooth and easy for the agent. And this was like five years ago and I'm shooting the agent's own house next week um, that he's selling. So yeah, I just think fixing those problems and rising and showing how much you value the relationship. Sometimes something going wrong that you can fix is the best thing that can happen to you. Yeah, absolutely. So those are the phases really. So just to kind of recap them, phase one, you've got no brand awareness, no relationships, no loyalty, no sales experience, and nobody wants to talk to you. Phase two, some brand awareness, some relationships, weak loyalty, some sales experience, and clients will phone you. Phase three, good brand awareness, good relationships, some loyalty, some solid experience, and clients will call you and just don't get referrals. And then phase four, you're really going. You've got strong brand awareness. If you walk into an office, they know you. Strong relationships, strong loyalty, excellent sales experience, and clients will call you and you're getting regular referrals. And really, you're doing the same things from phase one to phase four to get there. It just takes time and consistency and following the steps. I think the the beauty of laying it out like this, in in my opinion anyway, is that once you know this, if you're on phase one and you, you, you realize that you've got no, no one knows who you are, no one's going to call you. I mean, for me, that's the, the eye opener. No one's going to call you. But that's okay. So now what? Um, and as an anal- analytical, it's like, okay, well, you know, I don't want to go into an office, but it's the only way out of this. So, so that, that's my solution. And if you know that phase two is that you've, you know, you're, you're going to get to a stage where, People are going to be aware of your brand. You're going to have relationships and clients will phone you. Well, there's only one way to get to that stage. You need to make them aware of your brand and you need to build relationships. So that should be your focus. And, you know, again, when you're at stage two and you want to get to stage three, you just know what you have to do. Yeah, you just do the things. 
Yep. You just do the things. It's like, did you hear that story? There was a story about a kid that said to their dad, I, I want to be an astronaut. How do I, how do I be an astronaut? And that says, well, you've got to go to uni and you've got to pass the exams and then you've got to get a job at NASA and learn how to fly a spaceship. And the kid was like, oh, go to uni, pass exams, get to NASA, fly a spaceship. That's only four things. I can do four things. When you put aside the fear and the self-doubt and the discomfort, I should say, it really is just specific things that you have to do and you keep doing them, you take those opportunities and you nail it and you'll get there. Yeah, it's like the old um, thing similar to your NASA thing about, you know, I think it's 20 steps from one pence to one million pounds. And literally yeah. all you have to do if you've got one pence is get two pence. That's literally it, <laughs> right? You just keep doubling until you get there. So, um, yeah. yeah, same thing. You, you don't get anywhere by, by, um, by sitting where you are. And bringing it back to, you know, the way that you said at the start, you know, essentially, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but essentially, Dave, you're the worst person to be doing this job. (laughs) (laughs) That is the message I was trying to give our listeners. (laughs) Listen up, people. If Dave can do it, he doesn't have the skills or didn't. He has the skills now. I'll give him that. I taught him. Um, he, (laughs) He didn't have the skills. He didn't really have the classic behavior personality that normally does this. And he's done it now like three times. So honestly, and in three different places. So if he could do it, I'm pretty sure you can do it. All it is is using the skills you do have and knocking on doors. That's There's no substitute for it. It's literally all it is. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dave. Hopefully... Breaking down those phases helped anyone listening who's maybe stuck on one of the phases. I think there's bits that apply to everyone, no matter what stage of business you're at. But hopefully it just kind of, for people who are just starting out, just makes the roadmap a little bit clearer and you feel a bit motivated. Um, And yeah, always reach out if you have any questions for us. And yeah, thanks for listening. And thanks, Dave, for coming on to your own podcast and talking about yourself. (laughs) Anytime at all. (laughs) See you guys.